Welcome to Beyond the Pulpit with Andy Thompson. Beyond the Pulpit is a podcast that shows Andy Thompson in a different light. He talks with different guests every week about how he overcame real-life challenges all of us can relate to. If you want to support the Beyond the Pulpit podcast, head over to www.pastorandy.com podcast for more information. Welcome to another Monday night. And uh, I've got a lot to talk about tonight. I want to jump right into it. And I, d- I definitely want to uh, interact. So get your questions ready, especially on Instagram Live. I know I can see your questions live. And uh, I wanted to talk just a bit tonight. Um, so welcome to everybody from wherever you may be. So glad you're here. Come in, come in, come in. People are waving at me from everywhere. Welcome. Appreciate all of you and your loyalty. And if you're you're watching you all here with us on YouTube, please subscribe, share, like, do all of the things that you're supposed to do. Hello from Chicago. Hey, what's going on, folks in Chicago? Um, I was just there. I had an awesome time meeting with uh, with John Hanna, brilliant, inspiring man of prayer, really challenged me and um, really, really said some good stuff to me. Just a, a good older brother kind of person. I don't want to tell everybody his age, but it was just... A really good conversation. Someone just asked, do I vote? I definitely vote. I think you should prayerfully vote. I think we're supposed to be in the world, not of the world. I haven't voted yet. I'm going to get up tomorrow and vote. I tried to early vote last week, um, but I wasn't able to do it. I went to the wrong place. I wasn't in the right county, and I just I saw a place and stopped and figured I could run in there and and uh, and vote, but I wasn't able to. But I'm definitely going to vote tomorrow. You want your voice to be heard. What's the point of crying out to the heavens if you're not going to let your voice be heard in the earth? Mm-hmm. Um, so get on in here. Let's jump into it. Let's get to talking. And uh, hey to everybody in Fayetteville. I certainly don't want to act like Fayetteville is some kind of foreign country. Um, everybody in Fayetteville is great. I was just there in Fayetteville. Great spot. Got a buddy up there trying to let me hunt. He's got a bear on his land, and I'm thinking about killing a bear this year. And uh, so hunting season is about to start. And uh, so I see folks coming and joining. Let's get in right into it. Uh, for all of you on Instagram Live, okay, this is Beyond the Pulpit, Andy Thompson. So glad you're with us. For all of you watching on YouTube, the title that I have of the, of the show tonight is Kyrie, uh, his view, mm-hmm. um, and kind of viewpoints, and, and really find a question of is anybody really free um and i think it's it's really important for us to kind of talk about what our perspective is and i want to spend just a couple of times just a couple of minutes just talking about perspective and i'd love for us to share and and talk about that love to hear from you on instagram live and on youtube so glad you're with us because i think that there are several levels of perspective and i think that it's very important where you put your eyes that's about the size where you put your eyes. That's about the size of it. And, uh, and so I think that when, when we're looking at someone like Kyrie Irving and his position or what he sees, I think the first question for all of us to ask is, number one, can you actually see? Can you see? How does your vision work? Someone just asked me a question about voting. It's amazing if you're watching television right now or any kind of sports or any kind of thing. And you're just being bombarded by 
commercials on who to vote for, what to vote for. And I mean, if you're just ignorant, if you're not aware, it's, it's really sad. The, the ads really do give us a glimpse into the way that the campaign managers really do see America. Like they really do see us as lowest common denominator, just not that bright. You know, I don't know Sherry Beasley personally because she's running for a Senate. I don't know her personally. I have had some interactions with her. But if you watch some of these commercials, it's just insane. Sherry Beasley, let meth addicts go. It's just the way that they, if we allow Sherry Beasley in there, by the time they get done, you know, just depicting someone in such a negative way, it's just... They are, it's clear that they believe that people can be duped, that you can, that people just don't see clearly. It's just smear campaigns. Nobody's talking about what she really stands for or what any other people really stand for. Somebody said, what state am I in? I'm in the great state of North Carolina. And, uh, and, and I'm sure wherever you may be, when we were in Chicago this past week, when I was in New Jersey this past week, wherever I've been, if I'm watching football, whatever, just during it, just this is election time and there's battleground states that are in contention. And when you look at the way that the ads, it just make, it should make you ask the question, number one, can you even see? How well do you read? How much do you read? Where do you get your information from? Can you recognize anything? I think that a part of even the whole Kyrie thing, and I'm no shade men at Kyrie. I mean, I think it's he's an interesting guy. I think he's he's the he's trying to be free and he's finding out he's not quite as free as he thinks he is. I don't know if you're like me, but I'm like, my God, if Kyrie Irving ain't free, he tries to give half a million dollars to this to the league. And they turned it down. When you first of all, when you turn down a half a million dollars, you got too much money. Hey, Kyrie, Victory Park, okay? Somebody give him my number. I'm. You just got too much going on when you when you're going to turn down half a million dollars. What I'm saying to you is, is is he really free? Are any of us really free? We can look at someone like an athlete, someone this like this who's a professional who we think is rich and we think they're set. And they, we just figure they can just say whatever they want and do whatever they want. And in a sense, he's kind of behaved in that way uh, and come to find out there are consequences for everybody. And now he's got a viewpoint. Someone just said he studies history. He's not trying to sell a soul. I'm with you. I, I agree. I just think that it's it's a first question I want to pose to everybody tonight, and that number one is, can you see? I have my glasses on. I had really good sight for a long time. Can you see? Then the second thing is, well, what do you see? Just because you can't see doesn't mean that you know what you're looking at. So a big part of the Kyrie thing is, is he promoting this? What did he see? What his perspective was? I watched his, his interview after the game in, in which he's trying to say, well, I'm not necessarily trying to promote anything. I'm just saying, hey, I watched this thing. It was informative to me. In a, in a sense, trying to escape a little bit of the responsibility of his own influence, which you can't do. You can't do that and have a Nike deal, okay? The only reason why Nike's giving you a deal is because 
you are influential. So you can't now say, well, no, I'm not. Well, oh, you're not? Okay, well, then we'll suspend your Nike deal then because the reason why we have a Kyrie shoe is because people will want to buy your Kyrie shoe because they like Kyrie. So, but, but it's, okay, what, it's can you see? And then when you see, what do you see? So he watched that video. He's like, hey, go watch the video yourself. What do you see? Just because you see something doesn't mean you know what you're looking at. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that you have a clear understanding. And I think that a big part of our challenge in the world is that we all have our own perspective and we come to something with our own preconceived notion. There, there was a time, I, maybe there never was a time, but I just feel like there was a time when maybe, maybe folks' minds were a bit more blank. Maybe people's minds weren't necessarily so made up so that when they came to an issue, they didn't come to the issue with the history of this agenda or with the history of this reason behind why they're taking the stance that they're taking. I think this is one of the challenges that I'm sure people have with Christianity. I know for myself as an African-American, it's a part of the challenge, is that I have to admit that, Afri that, that the history of Christian theology within the last two, three, four, five hundred years, I know that sounds like a big number, but in a sense, Christianity has been used to reinforce white supremacy. And so there is, I have to admit that there's a bit of an agenda behind certain Christian theological interpretation. And when that interpretation is challenged, it's not just challenging it from a biblical theological discussion, it's also challenging it from the perspective of people who need theology to be that way, to reinforce behavior that they had and behavior that they continue to have so that they can sleep at night. <laughs> and so what I'm saying is, is what Kyrie sees as an African-American, what I see as an African-American, what you may see as a Latin person, what you may see as an Asian person, what you may see as an African person. I was amazed when I went to Africa and just found out how much Africans look negatively at African-Americans. And so it's, and I ended up getting into a conversation with, one, with some of my friends in Ghana and saying to them, yeah, but you guys are looking at a world that is being portrayed to you as a result of this, this right Republican agenda, but it's affected even the way our own brothers in our, in our mother continent actually see us so they're looking at something, but what do they see? So it's, it's, can you see? It's, what do you see? And then the third question is, well, can we correct bad vision? Like, can we get you some glasses? Can we get you some, some, some corrective lenses? Can we get you some contacts? Once you realize that your sight is not perfect and you start to wear glasses, you have to get your sight checked every year because your eyes get weaker the more dependent they are on corrective lenses. In the same way, some people don't want to put glasses on because if they put on glasses, they'll have to admit that maybe they can't see. And the more you admit that you can't see, 
the more you have to admit that you will continually not be able to see. I mean, at, at every level of wisdom, if you really gained wisdom, then you will be able to admit you're not as wise as you think. The minute you say, well, maybe I don't know exactly what I'm talking about, opens up a door for you to continually be challenged as to whether or not you know what you're talking about. And the reason why some people just don't want to have the discussion, they want to just shut it down. They want to jump on top of it right away. Even though Kyrie is kind of saying, well, go check it out yourself. Somebody did this, this video. They did, a, they did a documentary. I watched it. It impacted me. Go watch it for yourself. There are some people that are like, no, 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 no. Anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism. Sometimes the reason why they're that way is because they have an agenda that's behind it. But also it's because if they allow for the possibility that they've been lied to, if they allow for the possibility that maybe history isn't quite what they thought, then what will have to happen is they'll have to be open to the possibility that they don't know what they're talking about tomorrow. And that makes people unsure. And people don't like being unsure. People don't like that feeling. They want to be sure. And they want us to be sure. They want us to get on TV and lay out maps and charts and, and find out in Revelations and tell us exactly when the day and the hour is going to come. They want us to tell them exactly who the Antichrist is. They want us to tell them exactly what the mark of the beast is because they want to be, even though the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour when the Son of Man, but we want somebody to give us something hard because we are uncomfortable with a certain amount of just not knowing. And so for us to admit Wow, maybe there is something that wasn't true. Maybe we weren't communicated all the truth. There's a part of it that also is, if I admit that maybe my history has been faulty, I may have to admit that where I am is faulty, and I may have to admit that where I'm going is faulty. And that's something that sometimes Christians especially just can't do it. I was reading a really interesting article the other day that was talking about the amount of books that were considered in the Bible before the 1600s and kind of all the books that they dropped like Maccabees and Esdras. And it was just a, it's an interesting discussion to talk about the authenticity of scriptures. It's the kind of thing that no right wing, hardcore, serious theologian Anyone that's in the mainstream Christian world does not want to have any kind of discussions or arguments about the authenticity of Scripture. Some of it is because they just want to believe that the Bible is the word of God from cover to cover. I got that. But I also think that some of it is because if we do, if we analyze what was told us and how it was translated and who translated it and why, it may unsettle us about where we are, and it may unsettle us about why we did what we did. So it's, can we correct it? Is it possible to even correct it? Then, then the fourth thing, I know I'm kind of teaching, but the fourth thing is, what is the view from higher? What is the aerial view? What is the high up view? What is the way above up in the air view versus what's the view from down here? And I... I 
I think we're 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 in a very interesting time. Hey, everybody. Hey, listen. Beyond the pulpit here, okay. I know I'm on a little bit of a rant, but I'm talking about Kyrie Irving, and I'm talking about viewpoints, and I'm talking about vision, and I'm talking about our ability to see and our ability to have a perspective. I'm talking about the sanctity of our own mind space and what we actually see. And so I, I've been kind of saying, can you see? And just because you can see doesn't mean you know what you see. They're like, right now, I can hold this up. This is orange liquid, okay? You have no idea what this is. I can tell you what this is. This is like a B12 energy booster because I'm tired. If you thought it was orange soda, you saw it, but it's what you saw is not what you thought. So can you see? What do you see? Can I correct your vision? Is it possible? Can you allow your vision to be corrected? In that way, I, I can't help but feel for Kyrie. I, it's, it's like he's being pressured to just, he wants to play basketball. So it's like, toe the company line. Let's try to keep everybody happy. Kyrie's kind of halfway acting like, well, aren't we all open to learn? Aren't we all open for new information? Aren't we all open for the possibility that what we've been told is not the truth? No, we're not. We don't want our vision corrected. We, that, you know, that's what the world is saying. And I understand how disappointing that could be as a man who considers yourself thoughtful or learned, went to Duke, tries to read, tries to be open, tries to be aware, trying to on a search for eternal truth, not just the generational or, or cultural expression of that truth. Kyrie, I'm with you. I'm like, I'm on your side. I really am. Um, from that perspective, I don't think the guy has a bad heart. I don't think, I think his heart's in the right place. I think that there's, there's always been a question around whether or not the people who live in that area are actually the the physical descendants of the people of that area. It's just the sticky question that start to talk about, especially it's it's not just about anti-Semitism, it's also about white people and it's about them wanting to be able to claim what they want. It's just it's deep. And I and I, I think there's there should be Kyrie, there should be opportunities for us to talk about it. But I think it's an interesting thing for us to think about. And that is can can bad correct can bad vision be corrected? What's the view from higher? I think that Kyrie's almost trying to act like, and I'm with you, almost trying to act like, well, I'm just another person down here. Like, don't dehumanize me. I'm I'm down here with everybody else. I'm right here on the lower. But but the truth of the matter is that he's really not. They, what they want him to do is they want him to have a superstar view and a superstar attitude and be careful about what he shares as a superstar. And that's why I put on this on Instagram Live and why I'm talking about it right now. Well, is anybody really free? Because for all of us who have an expectation of wealth or blessing or riches or power, we have to understand that with great power comes responsibility. With wealth comes responsibility. And so in a sense, they're all their own prisons. And I, I know that someone like Kyrie wants to be free, and those of us who are cheering for him want him to be free, but we have to admit that everything's prisons. 
The only way to really be free is to not own nothing. <laughs> because your mortgage is a prison. Sorry, your job's a prison. Sorry, your car payment is a prison. Sorry. I mean, you, you, any, anybody that has children, well, you love your children. I don't want to say they're prison, but you can't walk away from your children. You love them. They love you. That's your family's decision that you made. And now you're locked in and you'd be a completely irresponsible person to walk away from what you owe them and that commitment. And so in a sense, what they're saying is, no, Kyrie, you owe. Your talent makes you owe. You're in the NBA. You're a multimillionaire. You owe. And so at, at this point and this understanding, someone is saying Jesus never changed his point of view or belief and he was crucified. Yeah, I know, but we're not talking about Jesus. I mean, I... I got you. And all the whole point, and I appreciate the comment, but the point of it is, is for us to be like Christ, and, and those of us who are Christians, and to follow, but, but to really see, okay, what is that higher view? Part of the reason why Jesus was crucified is because his view was from a higher place. And there were people that were on a lower place who weren't interested in a higher view. They weren't interested in a view of God is our father. They weren't necessarily interested in a view of love your neighbor and love your enemy. They weren't necessarily interested in do unto others. as That's from a higher view. When he started to say, well, not, the father and I are one, blasphemy, because not just because it is against their religious thought or belief, but because what he was saying was challenging to the status quo and their power system. And it's, it's just an interesting thing. So can, I think it's an interesting thing to, to think about considering the fact, considering the way that we are, the way that we're raising our children, especially today. Because I think that right now we're living in a time in which we really do want to get down on our children's level and we really want to hear what they're saying and really have an understanding of them because we want, we love them. A lot of us were raised not feeling like we were heard. <laughs> we, we weren't heard. We weren't listened to. No one cared what we thought. No one, we were ignored. And so now as parents, we don't want to perpetrate that same behavior on our own children. And so now I think we are overcorrecting and are overly sensitive around what our children are communicating. And we have to be careful that we don't, that we keep giving them the higher view <laughs> because the view from higher is, yeah, but it's eight o'clock, but the view from higher is, yeah, but you need to play the piano. <laughs> the view from higher is, yeah, but it's time to go to school. The view from higher is, yeah, but I didn't ask you if you wanted to do your work or not. <laughs> I didn't ask you if you want to sit down. If, if we, if we are forever determined to just get down on our knee and just focus at the level of our babies. As much as we want to understand them, we have to impact them with the view from higher. Instead of just being on your knees, we have to stand up. I think I could say that of parents. I could say that of politicians. I could say that of anybody that's in a real leadership position. It's like as much as you want your boss to identify with you at the same time, you expect them to have a view and an understanding of the company. Because if they don't understand what the company should be doing and the company fails, you're not going to get paid. So they are going to have a higher view. I expect the CEO to have a higher view. I really like my CEO. He's just like me. Really? That should make you a little bit nervous unless you really are ready to run the company. 
Okay. Well, I just love Donald Trump because he's not like everybody else. He's just like me. Really? Well, I don't know if somebody just like you can run America. So, I mean, I, I got you, but I don't know if you should be voting for someone because they're just like you. I've seen a lot of ads like, yes, this person is just like, he's just an average Joe. He's just an average guy. And I'm just like, wow, since when have we lost our ability to trust anything higher, to trust any view from higher, a part of the leveling of social media, the fact that everybody has a platform, everybody has something to say, everybody can say something, everybody can comment on something. Somebody commented on this most recent post I've got that's got all these likes and all these comments. Somebody commented on it and I... I kind of came for them a little bit. You got to be careful because just because you have an opinion doesn't mean you should share it and doesn't mean that you're from a high enough perspective to share it. For those of you that are familiar with your Bible, the Bible says don't think of yourself more highly than you are, but rather in sober judgment according to the measure of faith that's been given you. So someone felt that they had the right to comment on this show on whether or not I'm preaching the gospel in this show. And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm not on stage right now. I'm in my house. This is in my study. I got Thanos in the background right here. That's my, I like Thanos. So this is not, I'm not opening up the Bible right now. I'm not breaking down scripture. I may refer to it every now and then because it's in my heart, but no, this is me talking. And then who are you to tell me whether or not I can sit here and talk about this, maybe I have a higher view. Maybe I have a higher view because I'm in my 50s. Maybe I have a higher view because I've been doing this for 40 years. Maybe I have a higher view because I got 20,000 people. Maybe, just maybe, I know something you don't know. And we're, we're, we're going to have to ask ourselves, can we accept a view from above? Can we accept a higher view? What does the higher see that you don't see? What does God see that you don't see? What do your parents see that you don't see? What does your mentor see that you don't see? What does your pastor see that you don't see? What does your leader see? What does your supervisor see that you don't see? What does the CEO see that you don't see? Just because it's not at your eye level doesn't mean it's not vision. Then my fifth thing is, can you agree with higher? Okay. So if higher comes and says something to you, can you agree with it? Can you only follow if you agree? If it's beyond your mindset, if someone says something to you and they're on another level than you, they're at another place than you, they're in another place in age, they're in another place of experience, they're in another place financially, they're in another place responsibility, they... they They've done things you have not done. If they give you a view and give you a perspective, are you so defensive of your own horizontal perspective that you can't receive anything from higher? And if someone on another level says to you, yeah, I get it, but you're going to understand it better by and by. Trust me. Have we so lost the ability to trust any kind of authority or have any kind of confidence in anyone above us that we can't agree at all? Can you actually agree with God? Can you agree with God when you don't understand? Can you agree with God when you're in pain? Can you agree 
with a leader when you don't know why they're asking you to do this? Can you just agree? It's sight. And then beyond agreeing, does that agreement adjust your sight? I was watching Sunday Night Football, and it's like, yeah, you got, I guess it was Patrick Mahomes, and then also it's like uh, Kelsey, the tight end. And they were talking about how Travis Kelsey is so smart that sometimes he's talking to the other wide receivers about what they see. Because, see, if you think, and I'm sorry, I'm a football fan, but if you think that good offenses is just running the play, you don't really understand football. Good offenses are hard to stop because the quarterback and the running back and the wide receivers can read the defense in the exact same way. They see the same thing. Right now, the Tom Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers, the Russell Wilson's, the guys who have been really good quarterbacks for a long time, it's not that all of a sudden they can't play no more. Sometimes their arms are not, but that's not the problem. It's not that Aaron Rodgers' arm isn't working. It's that he's got a whole new group of receivers, and he's trying to get those receivers to see what he sees. Not just to agree with him, but to look at the defense and see what the defense sees. And if you, and as you, as you move further, as you go along the way, the more you work with a running the, the quarterback, the more you and the quarterback see the, and you develop this chemistry. The chemistry do you develop is not just you like each other and you went out to lunch, you went out to dinner and you saw the same thing. No, the chemistry you develop is that you both read the defense in the same way. So if the if it's two backs or if this, then you're going to do an out. Now the quarterback can anticipate what you're going to do, throw the ball to you. Okay, I'm too deep into football. My point is, is that can you see as a result of agreeing with the quarterback that is God or agreeing with the quarterback that is scripture or agreeing? This is, this is where the Bible kind of talks about the fact that the letter killeth, but the spirit gives life. There is the rhema and there's the logos. It's both. and We can get stuck so much in the play that we're not able to adapt when we read the defense. And my argument is that a part of agreeing with God or agreeing with a leader or agreeing with a mentor is inevitably your, your mind begins to adapt and you begin to think like they think and you begin to see what they see. If you are constantly fighting and constantly arguing some of it is that everybody is just so determined to hold on to their mindset and their perspective and their viewpoint that they can't, they can't change and they can't adapt. They're resistant. And it's so interesting that we live in a time of free speech, more information than ever, more sharing than ever more communication than ever, more outlets than ever, and there's more resistance than ever to really learn and really see something, really understand something. 
um, and to allow our viewpoint to be affected in a significant way. Uh, I just think it's an interesting discussion. I'm sorry. Maybe maybe this is too heady of, of a conversation. For I don't think so. But I just think that we have to ask ourselves a hard question, and that is, well, what do we see and what do we know and why do we know it and why do we think we know it? And how is any information ever communicated? And if Kyrie Irving is right, I don't, if that, if that video is right, I haven't seen it. If that documentary is right, if there is a real question about who is not just identifying with Judaism as a religion, but as actually a descendant of the people that are from there, an actual physical, biological, lineage, descendants, connections, if we have not been told the truth, then is the correction of that truth anti-Semitism? And, and if we have been lied to, then how, how can we ever be told the truth? How can our sight ever be adjusted if we are wholeheartedly defensive of our generational perspective and we can't allow history to teach us anything we can't allow technology to teach us anything. I mean, I understand it. You know, I, I get it. I think that part of the blame is just the way that it's often communicated. I know that I have to be careful about that in myself. I have to make a determination to, to comment on something without complaining about that generation's perspective. It's, it's to comment not fuss about how y'all don't see it right. That's what got to get away from that. Got to find a way to communicate truth to power, especially from a generational perspective without being necessarily overly critical. Um, Someone is saying, yeah, this isn't a new concept. Black Israelites and all of it, absolutely, it's not a, it's not a new concept. You're exactly right. Um, this is something that has been discussed for a while. This is something that has been talked about quite a bit. And again, you're just continuing to make my point. Thanks for the comment. And that is that, yeah, but, but when it's spoken by someone higher, when it's spoken from someone that we expect to be influential, when it's spoken, and we have to remember too that the NBA is a business and it's about making money, and they don't want it. They want everybody to be able to watch and everyone to be able to join, and they don't necessarily expect Kyrie Irving to use this as a platform to right wrongs. Okay, and I think that there's a part of us that, as African Americans, we do. There are times when we we can't be critical of people not making a stand, and then be mad at them when they make a stand. And I'm not saying we're mad at Kyrie. I'm just saying that I feel him. And I think the ability to see and then make a, a transition into action is, is the challenge. I think that's one of the questions that I had that was in, you know, there's always questions that are being posed to me about vision. And I think one of those questions was, well, how does vision turn into action beyond just, oh, this is what I see, but how do I take next steps? How do I say, okay, well, this is what I see. Now I'm going to take this step. 
how do I begin to do that? Um, and I think the start of that is it's definitely having your courage. Uh, and I, I definitely am someone who as a result of, and I, I've seen people talk to people, had conversations with people, so it's not just about me. I talk to men all of the time. It's absolutely possible to lose your courage just as a result of what life has done. Now there's an opportunity that's in front of you and you're a lion that doesn't have any courage. It's the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> it's, do I have a brain? Do I have a heart? Do I have any courage? Okay, I'm on my way to Oz. I'm on my way to higher. I'm on my way to greater. I'm on my way to more. As a matter of fact, I've been inspired by someone else's journey. This person's trying to get home. This person is sure about what they want. They want to get home. As a result of their journey, I am now inspired to believe specifically for what I want. First question is, can I get a brain? Can I get my mind changed? Can I get my head together? Because ultimately the story really is about Dorothy. But so it's, I want to go home. First person she meets on the yellow brick road is the scarecrow. So the first question is, okay, do you really know what home is? Do you really know where you want to go? Is your mind renewed? We're off to see the wizard. He's going to give you a new mind, meaning the journey is going to give you a new perspective. The journey is going to make you see something. Are you prepared for a mind that is different? Are you prepared for a different mindset? Because the way for vision to become reality is your mind has to change. One of the most difficult things for people is for them to realize that you can't get to a new place off of vision with the same mindset you have right now. Your mindset will have to change. And your mindset doesn't just change because you want it to change. Your mindset changes because you read. Your mindset changes because you allow your mind to be influenced by other minds, whether it's the mind of God or it's the mind of a philosopher or it's the mind of a professor or it's the mind of a teacher or it's the mind of a leader or a communicator, whether it's this, whatever show it is, Dr. Jordan Peterson, whoever it is, you allow your thoughts and mind set to be challenged by another. That affects your mindset. Can't get to Oz with the same brain you landed in. In the you can't. If you're on your way to the Emerald City, you got to get your mind together. Next thing, next person she meets is the Tin Man. He doesn't have a heart. So, number two, you're what you're passionate about, what you feel, what you love. You may find that what you love is different. Gonna be hard to get to a vision loving the same thing you've always loved. You may have to find new love. You may have to find new passion. You're extremely passionate about video games. I don't know if you're going to make it to the Emerald City very passionate about that. You may have to be open 
for your passions to change. You may have to be open for new love to be introduced for new, and this is, this is very difficult because we're creatures of habit, especially when it comes to relationship. And so God, life, our own pains introduce new loves to us, new family to us, in-laws and cousins and brothers and sisters and new folks we meet on the job. And we can be resistant to those new relationships of love because they, they have their own demands. You have to come to grips with what does this person want? What do they desire? And how does that pull on you in the particular direction that you're going in? Your heart is a big part of how you get to that destination when it comes to your vision. And then finally, it's your courage, which is what I started this thing talking about. And that is your courage. And whether or not you actually have found your courage, whether or not you found your boldness, whether or not your boldness was stolen from you, was your boldness stolen from you by pain or by loss or by disappointment or they fired you or someone embarrassed you or someone abandoned you or someone left you and it's just, it's absolutely possible for pain to leave you cautious. It's absolutely possible for age to make you cautious. And now here's an opportunity for you and do that's open. It's a door, but it's going to take boldness to walk through it. So she needed her mind. She needed her heart, her passion to be affected, and she needed her courage to be significantly impacted. And if you saw the whiz, okay, then you know that from the beginning, when Dorothy was in Brooklyn eating collard greens, okay, she was scared. And her Auntie M was like, yo, you totally got to find a place of your own. It's time for you to get back out there. You're going to have to discover. Courage was her whole big thing. And then, of course, in the whiz, the, you know, the, in the whiz, you know, Richard Pryor ended up being a fraud, blah, 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 blah. But I don't want to take, go too deep in it. But all I'm saying is, is that... To transition from what you see into actually walking in it, you're going to have to get your head together. You're going to have to get your heart together. You're going to have to get your courage together. And I think you're going to have to be prepared for the fact that your vision, your final destination, it has requirements. And freedom isn't really free. It is, and it's not. Because along with that freedom, along with blessing, along with wealth, along with capacity, along with knowledge comes responsibility. And I think Kyrie knows that he's responsible. I think that like many celebrities and like many people before him and many people after him, he will want to try, we all will want to try to receive the blessing of our position and station without the responsibility of our blessing and station, but the two go together. Can't have authority and not have responsibility. Both of them are a factor. 
Um, and so it's just an interesting time. It's an interesting moment. It's an interesting day in America. Um, and I think it, it should make all of us reevaluate where do we get information? How do we know what we know? How powerful are celebrities really? And who really influences us and really talks to us about what it is that we do? All right. I'd love to ask, answer some questions. I've been on here for about 45 minutes. And um, so folks are waving and, and saying, hey, hey, this is Beyond the Pulpit. I'm Andy Thompson. I'm trying to speak truth as much as I can. But on here every Monday night and uh, starting at 7, going live, trying to drop some knowledge, trying to talk about things that I, I can talk about from the pulpit but can't. Um, and so if you're a Christian, great. If you're not, that's fine. I think that was the other thing that was kind of annoying to me about about the, one of the comments I got from last week, because I, I never said this was a Christian show. I'm calling it Beyond the Pulpit. I think we have to ask ourselves, does everything we do have to be Christian, or is it possible that as a Christian, I do something? That's the question. Does every single entity I create, does every single solitary thing I do have to end up being a Christian thing? So if I have a, if I have a bakery, is it a Christian bakery? Or am I a Christian who has a bakery? Uh, and I, I think that I've decided that, sure, I am a Christian, but every single solitary comment out my mouth isn't necessarily going to be. I also can speak as a man. Um, and I think that that's why I decided to do this show. It's called Beyond the Pulpit. And it's like a podcast. It's like a, it's like an interactive discussion. It's like a conversation. Um, so, if you got a question for me, anybody on Instagram Live want to ask me a question about this button, anything, I'm down to ask, answer it. If I if the, if I got some questions that are coming in from the YouTube, uh, any of my producers want to give me any kind of a question, I'm down to answer any kind of a question along these lines or just about anything. Um, in in the in the bit of that we that we have remaining, you know, um, I figure I'd be on here for about an hour, so maybe I can ask some questions. John, you got a question for me over there? So somebody on YouTube, Tyler Chisholm, I believe that's how I say his last name. Okay, Tyler asked um, pretty interesting question. Um, can you break down history of Israelites and Jewish beliefs? I mean, listen, I I could try to, but uh, Tyler, listen, man. And I don't want to get in trouble like Kyrie and go tell everybody to go watch this video. But listen, there, this is the information age, okay? There's all kinds of information out. Just in, the, just in the little bit of cursory study, I've never got, listen, I've never looked at this too deeply. And I'll tell you why. Because Paul said, okay, Whatever was to my profit, I consider loss. There's no one will argue about the Apostle Paul's lineage. No one. Paul says, if anyone thinks they have reason to have confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to the law, a, a faultless prophet. Faultless Pharisee is what he calls himself. Zeal, persecuting the church. Then he says, but whatever was to my profit, 
I now consider a loss in comparison to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may be, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that's based on the law or based on my birth, but a righteousness that is based on faith in Christ. So whenever any black is like, you know, they approach me. And one of them, one of them had, wanted to have a conversation with me. They heard my, some of my pro-black speech, and I guess they thought I'd make a great black Israelite. But all, what I, one of the things I said to them is that, I mean, even if I was, it's Jesus comes at a time in which he's saying, don't think you can relax just because Abraham is your father, because I'm telling you now that the ax is already at the root. So I'm, I'm not trying to, I, I feel like if it's, in the intention of righting a wrong in history, gotcha. I feel like for me as an individual and what I'm doing and what I was ultimately called to do, my job was, has, and still is and continues to be to preach Christ crucified. And the way that the apostle Paul communicated Christ was there's no, there's not Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, male or female, for Christ is all and is in all and works through you all. In him we live and move and have our being. When he goes to Greece, he's there in Athens. He says, men of Athens, I can see by your statues that you're very religious. You even have something to the unknown God. That's where he says, in him we live and move and have our being. So I, I, I think we, we, this whole who's a Jew argument I think it's interesting, but I think that if you're a Christian, Paul is saying, why would we saddle you with circumcision when it didn't work for the Jews? And so in Christ is the fulfillment of the law. And so that's why I've never gotten too deep into this discussion. So if you think I came on here to talk about black Israelites, I did not. I was just kind of trying to talk about Kyrie's view and his freedom to express it. And my view and your view and asking yourself, what do you know? What do you see? And is it possible for your view to be corrected? Is it possible for anybody in America's view to be corrected? And, and us really asking ourselves what we've been taught and focusing on that from a historical perspective to gain some perspective and freedom, I get that. If we're going to talk about it purely from a Christian perspective, even if you found out that you're a direct descendant of the line of Judah, you still better have some faith because you have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through and we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And so um, it's an interesting conversation. All right. So what do you tell someone who has the vision um, but isn't comfortable making the tough, the tough decisions concerning the vision or the purpose that they feel like they have? walking so if someone has a vision but is finding it difficult to make those tough decisions i first of all what i will say to them i can i i can identify i can concur that there are times when you are weighing <laughs> the risk <laughs> you're doing risk analysis and you're asking yourself okay my God, this step might offer me a certain amount of freedom. There may be a certain amount of blessing. There may be a certain amount of peace. 
But there's also going to be a level of exposure. There's going to be a level of, my God, I know exactly what that feeling is. I know it today. I know it right now. Even as I'm trying to do this victory park, it's like, I mean, it's not like I don't have a space to be in. <laughs> now, certainly BPG needs prayer. And I do feel like we have reached the capacity of what we've been able to do in that, in that space. And I do think there's something to be said about owning your own space. But and the vision I have from God is huge. And, and even what I've shared, and you know, if you don't go to my church, but it, I, I'm just talking about me, just identifying what I see and then the challenge of getting it done and what it may cost me emotionally and mentally and financially in terms of my, my life and my race, I definitely feel that. So number one, I can identify. Then number two, I think you have to do a real no joke risk cost analysis about where you're supposed to go versus the safety of where you are right now. And I'm not saying that with any kind of shade. I think you got to put a lot of things together. I think that your age is a factor. In it. If you're watching me and you're younger, I'm going to tell you, jump out the boat. I moved to North Carolina 20 years ago, okay? I was 34 years old. There's a totally different perspective at, 20, at 34 than there is at 54. It's just a different world. You're just at a different place. I was young. I was hungry. I was healthy. I, I was full of energy. My kids were young. There, this was the time to take a risk. Sometimes I think a part of the challenge of the millennial generation not trying to throw shade at you guys, but the this the phone and social media has given you such a glimpse of instant success that you almost feel like if you're not a millionaire by the time you're 35, you failed in some way. My journey started at 35. Up until 35, I had been serving other people. Up until 35, I was in the wilderness. Up until 35, I was just making what, what people would agree to pay me. I moved to North Carolina to start my journey to success. I don't, I didn't have it in my mind that I would be a success by the time I was 34. I, that's, that's insane. And I, I don't mean to sound like an old fuddy duddy, but I just think that you're, you're just putting way too much pressure on yourself. If you expect to have everything all set up and I, and what's more is, I don't know what you think you're going to do after that. I don't know what you think you're going to do at 34 if you're rich and you've made it. What are you going to do then? Sit around and chill? And so maybe life's going to take a bit longer. If you're 27 years, I just had this conversation with my sons the other day. My sons are 22 and they're halfway talking like, they're late. I'm like, what are you talking about? You're 22 years old. Jesus is what? You weren't even considered a man until you were 30 in the Bible. So, yo, dudes, it's okay. One of my sons is talking about, he's looking at armed forces. I'm like, yo, bro, go give them four years. You're, you're a kid. You have, you have life. You have time. You know, there's, this is the time to invest. This is the time 
to try something new. This is the time to start your own business. This is the time to go broke. This is the time to file for bankruptcy if you have to. This is the time. Stop being scared of it. Because you have years to make it up. Right now, I'm battling a fear that's realistic. Because I'm 54 years old. I don't have forever to live. And even me, I still got another 20, 25 years. Because I'm sure many of you are watching this and can't believe I'm 54. Because I eat right and I drink my water and I don't smoke cigarettes. And I don't smoke weed. And so I'm, I'm trying to take as best care of myself as I possibly can. So I can live and last as long as I can. And I'm still just beginning my fight, sure. But I'm 54. I'm not 24. If I was 24, I'd be, if I had it to do all over again, my whole 20s would be totally different than it was. I was in a great big rush to grow up. There was a great big pressure on us to grow up. And you all have to realize that there's a pressure to grow up when the life expectancy is nothing. If life expectancy is 66, then yeah, everybody graduated from high school and got married and went and got a factory job because they weren't going to live for so long anyway. If the life expectancy is now going to be 80, 85, I saw a video this morning that was saying that there's four primary causes of death. Cardiovascular disease was one, which is kind of your heart. Um, diabetes was the second one. Cancer was the third one. And the fourth one, I can't remember what the fourth one was. But in essence, they were saying that if one of those four things don't kill you, you should live well into your 90s. So they were so if you if you can drink your water, if you can eat right, if you can stay away from, from you should live well into your 80s and 90s. If you're gonna live into your 80s and 90s, then you might want to take a deep breath and relax and maybe see your 20s as still a time to become. I know I just read something updated thing because psych was my minor and now they're saying that the male mind doesn't even stop developing until you're 27 years old so there's a whole lot of your fathers and your grandfathers your mothers and your grandmothers who made hard no joke life decisions before they were 27 and then were in their 40s and 50s and found themselves saddled with decisions that they made before they were of age. This is why I'm like, be careful about getting too many tattoos. Be careful about putting Bobo Shonda on your neck. Be careful because one of these days, you may not think that it's all that cute. And if you have one on your neck, don't worry. Because right now, they're developing technology to remove tattoos like crazy. Because they know that there's going to be people in their 60s who don't want to have Bobo Shunda on their neck. So you can relax. I'm not going to make you nervous. If you got a some something on your cheek, you just knew it was cool when you were 23. It's okay. You'll probably be able to get it removed because this whole tattoo thing, they understand everybody's crazy and, and has lost their mind, tattoos all over their body. And they're going to gonna have some stuff for people to be able to take it off if they want to. So you can relax. But I'm just saying that 
Maybe your 20s is also a time to travel. Maybe your 20s is a time to take more classes. Maybe your 20s is a time to have more experiences. Maybe your 20s is a time to go to Tibet. Maybe your 20s is a time to go to Ghana and go to the slave caves. Maybe this is something to do in your 20s before you're in a great big rush to be a millionaire. Because with that money comes responsibility with the mortgage, with the car payment. Everybody's in just a great big rush to be grown and take it from somebody grown. We wish we had been children longer. I know I do. And so it, it doesn't mean, of course, there's a ditch on either side of the road. So it doesn't mean just smoke weed and play video games all day. No, dude, get up and go get a job. But be about growth. Let me tell you what I said to my sons. I said to my sons, the reason why I want them to, to go to college and finish college, especially two of my boys, because two of my children that are my, these the the older kids they're they're artists and then these two two of my sons I I'm saying to them college is about becoming it's not just about what you'll be able to do sometimes people are critical of college because they're like oh yeah it was a waste of money or yeah it's a waste of money if you only went there to get a job but if you went there to expand if you went there to become, if you went there to read, because you're not going to read on your own. If I could say to you right now, oh, yeah, okay, here's Pindar's victory songs, or I'm trying to see my book by job, but the pheasant I killed is in the way. But if I could just give you that book, and you could read Colonial African by Sheik Antijop, if I could just give you that and you would just read it, then that would be great. But you ain't going to read it unless you're in a class. You ain't going to read it unless somebody makes you read it. You're not going to read it unless you pay somebody to make you respect the education that you gained. But I think everybody is so prepared to set their concrete at 18. It's insane. It's a part of my issue with the transgender discussion. I read the whole Dwayne Wade thing. I mean, yeah, and I'm not uh, Dwayne Wade. Yeah, the whole thing about his, all of it, his son, daughter, the whole thing. Listen, I'm not throwing no shade at the man. I got you, but I, I just don't understand the rush. <laughs> I don't understand why people got to start start taking stuff before they're 18. I don't. I don't understand why you can't vote until you're 18 and you can't drive until you're say You're trying to tell me you can't drive, but you can take hormone drugs. It's insanity. I just think that there's a certain amount of pressure to make everybody just grow up too quick. And I think everybody needs to take some time and allow themselves to develop and really know what they really, really want. Young man was in my house yesterday. He's pretty close to my son's. He came over to my house, he's sitting in the kitchen, and he told me, oh, I think I found the woman that I want to marry. And I said to him, how old are you? He said, 25. I said, do you want me to mess with you? Or let me leave you alone. He said, no, I want all the wisdom I can get. I said, okay, let me give you some wisdom. And he received the wisdom. 
I'm not going to share with him what I shared with. I'm not going to tell y'all what I said to him. But I, I just said to him, these are some ways to really be sure. And he was open. And he heard me. And that made me comfortable that maybe he really is prepared. Because if you get overly defensive about your position, that means that it's not very strong. If no one can ask you, if no one can question you, if no one can touch your Jenga tower, then that means you got pieces missing from out the bottom. And it might be wise to become a bit before you all are doing. Life is harder than you think. Woo, boy, that be on a rant. Any other questions? I'm getting questions from YouTube. Instagram Live, everybody's here waving and clapping and saying, hey, I don't see no questions. And that's absolutely fine if you have no questions, you know. Um, but I'm, I'm answering questions and, and I'm still going. You better grab something from me while you still can because my eyes are getting heavy. All right, let's do one more question unless we see something that catches our attention. Sure. Can a person's purpose change, or can you have multiple purposes? Can a person's purpose change? Can you have multiple purposes? Absolutely, your purpose can change. Absolutely. I think that that's kind of the whole point of all things working together for the good of them who love the Lord and being a called according to his purpose. You want his purpose ultimately to trump yours because you may find yourself heading in multiple purposes. And I think that one of the challenges to, to life is to feel like this was a purpose that you were chasing in this particular time. It's possible to actually get it and then realize, oh, wow, this isn't what I thought it was. Let me reevaluate what my purpose is. I think that we have to have a bird's eye view. Why I'm talking about vision. Why I talked about it today. Why you think you know what you know. Why you think you're doing what you're doing. Is to ask yourself, well, what led you to that purpose in the first place? And what is it that made you come to that conclusion that you're here to be a nurse or you're here to be a lawyer or you're here to be a whatever it is. You picked out the air, out the sky. Um, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were a singer? Who told you you were a teacher? Who told you you were a preacher? Who told you that? Um, and so I think that I think constantly evaluating and reevaluating what your purpose is is not a bad thing. Um, and so I, I think that that's something to, to consider. I got a question on Instagram, of course. Can't do a, a live without a relationship question. Question was, how long should I wait? How long is too long to wait for marriage? That was the question. The question was, how long is too long to wait for marriage? Okay. I've written and I've talked quite a bit about marriage and relationships. Um, but let me just say that I think it starts with being of age. 
And I think that it's not just a being of age, it's being mature. I think maturity is required. One of the ways that you know you're mature is when you can make adaptations because you understand and not just because you agree. So if you have to agree to adapt, you're too immature, especially for marriage. You're, you're not mature enough to marry anyone if you can only make adaptations because you agree. That, that right off the bat will tell you you're not ready. But if you can say, I don't quite see it that way, but I understand how you see it that way, and I can make some adaptations as a result of that, then you've got some real maturity on you. I wouldn't marry anybody until I had that. Once you know you are of marrying age and you are serious about it. Um, and of course, I hate to be this way, but I, I think that it is important for you to understand the role as much as it is to understand the feeling you have about the person. It's not just committing to that person, it's committing to the seat. So it's committing to being a husband, it's committing to being a wife, it's not just committing to them. I, I could talk about it forever. I, I, think, I think you should know in a year. I, th I think you should know in a year. Okay. Someone asked another question I wanted to answer on Instagram Live. Can you be a Christian and vote for politics that, that promote candidates that discriminate against minorities? I think the real challenge of being an African-American Christian is that the Democratic Party has at times seemed to be the more understanding, liberal, open party. The Republican Party has been has definitely been cast and has definitely followed along the line of being a bit more discriminatory against, especially its current expression. So I think you can find yourself in a real quandary because you want to kind of stand behind conservative theological thoughts. At the same time, you want to have a certain amount of understanding for people in the position of minority and you're looking at a candidate that you wonder if they can represent you as a minority. And I, I think that this is a part of the battle. This is the part of the issue of being in the world, but not of the world. This is a part of that challenge. And that is that you have to understand that candidate. You can't just vote just along party lines as best you can. You have to vote your conscience. You have to know something about the candidate. You have to know what they stand for. And you also have to remember that America is not the kingdom of God. And I know that we want it to represent the kingdom, and that's great. Me too. But just because the kingdom is not popular doesn't mean it's not powerful. And it's absolutely possible for God to speak to leaders who aren't even Christian. And if you don't think that, then you just don't know your Bible. And I think the Christians have to ask ourselves, are we Josephs and Daniels or are we Pharaoh? I think we, we're trying to be Pharaoh. We're trying to be Nebuchadnezzar. And I'm not, I'm not against us ruling, but I think that we also have to be okay with the prophet 
dream interpretation administrative seat. And, and so I think that you need to read. I think that you need to vote. I think that you need to not be so easily motivated by just the far right conservative hot button. Ooh, let's push your buttons and throw something in your face. I think, and I think if there's anybody that can do it, it's African-Americans. Um, you know, I, I live in an area in which most of the chiefs of police around here are black women. I don't think there's any better job for a black woman than chief. Of, I mean, I don't want to say that, but I, I think if anybody should be chief of police, it's an African-American woman. I think it's just great. Um, because I think that an African-American woman, she's black, she has children, she understands what it means to be a minority, she understands what it means to feel, she's, she's still a, a police officer, she understands what it, what it feels like to be, to be powerless, even physically at times, because she's a woman. I just think that there's just such a mix of, of wisdom and strength in that, that they're in the position, to, I think, to do the job well. And I think in the same way, if you're an African, I don't know if there's anybody that can take a look at America and from a Christian perspective, ask whether or not we love the world. It's, it's African-American Christians. And I don't think we can just say, oh, well, I'm a Christian, so I have to go with this party. I think if there's anybody that should question the Republican Party, it should be African-American Christians. Um, I don't want to just sit here and just spout Candace Owens' thoughts, but I do think that African-Americans have to ask ourselves whether or not the liberal agenda is what's best for us when it comes to unity. I, I think that the African-American community needs unity and needs strength and needs consistency. And I don't know if the, I don't know if siding with the liberal agenda or being lumped together with the liberal agenda is what's best for us as a people. I'm saying that as a black man. Um, so I, I'd, I'd love for us to be independent. I'd love for, I, I'd love for our vote to be open to whoever's going to do the best job for us because we make up 12% of the population. And I've said this before. I think I said it in one of these shows. I think that, African-Americans have to realize that we're the bird riding on the back of the rhino. The rhino is crossing the Nile. The rhino ain't scared. The hippo ain't scared of the crocodiles. Okay? The bird is, we're the bird sitting on the back of the hippo. And sometimes we think we're the hippo. We think we're the hippo because our ancestors were brought here in chains. We think we're the hippo because we built the country. We think we're the hippo because we were denied being the hippo. And I got you, but I don't know if that means we're the hippo. I think other minority groups come here and understand that, that, um, that they're not the hippo. I, I don't feel this big pressure for there to be a Mexican president. I don't feel this big, huge pressure for there to be a Chinese president. And I think Chinese people come here. I think people of Asian descent come here and they are on the back of this hippo called America and they're trying to eat and establish their family and establish some wealth and try to secure the future of their line. And I think that that's something that African-Americans need to reevaluate. And I think if we were to do that,
then we'd want to know who's best for America and we would support who's best for the hippos since we're riding on the back of it. Okay. I got a smirk question. Sex, money, intangibles, religion, kids. S-M-I-R-K. Okay. Sex, money. These are things you should discuss before you, while you're dating, you should talk about sex. While you're dating, you should talk about money. While you're dating, you should talk about the little things because the little things mean a lot. The little things like neatness, the little things like tone, the little things like attitude, the little things like, like just how you do some of the things that you do. Because those little things mean a lot when other things are wrong. So when I first came up with Smirk 20 years ago, I was saying that a disagreement in one of the five areas is enough to destroy your relationship. And I counsel people and have counseled people. I don't do it as much as I used to, but, I, but I've counseled people that have multiple issues in multiple areas. An issue in one of them is enough. Just one. I was talking to... So, so... There are times when you'll hear people broke broke up and you'll be like, you broke up over that? Wait, wait, wait. You're telling me you broke up because they don't call you back? That seems like a small thing, but that's an intangible thing. But that small thing becomes a big thing when... That small thing becomes a big thing when there's other stuff that's wrong. You got sex problems, you got money problems, you got religious disagreements, you got kid disagreements. Then all of a sudden, the way you pop your gum is just too much. I just can't take it. If you pop that gum one more time, I'm gonna scream. And it's it's the gum, but it's not really the gum. It's the it's the belching, but it's not really the belching. It's this it's the snore, but it ain't really the snoring. It's the don't call me back, but it ain't really the don't call me back. It's it's a little thing that means something bigger. You got a question that asks, would you ever run for a political seat? I mean, I, I, I will never say never. I, you know, I don't know. I know just from watching just the last, six weeks of just what, 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 where politics have just evolved to like where it is just the, the mudslinging that is being elected. I, I think it would be hard for me. It'd be tough. I could see myself sitting down with a campaign, not to mention the fact that I, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that God has done with me. I, I'll have to, I'd have to talk to God about that because a politician is someone who represents the people. And a part of this role is to, to, to be at, to at times represent God. And I, after I'm done representing him, I, I'd like to be able to represent myself. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm doing simple. I'm doing a simple podcast on a Monday night and I got people that got the nerve to tell me I can't represent my own ideas. So I know I've been in public service my whole life. I've been in I've been doing this my whole life. My father was a was a pastor and is a bishop. 
I'm the oldest. I was under the scrutiny, under the glass from when I was a child. And I started preaching since I was, when I was 15. So I've had the light on me the whole time. Um, politics would be interesting, but politics is representing the people. And um, I think that sometimes we're expecting, we have to realize that a politician's job is to represent all of the people. My disappointment in Biden is I really thought Biden, since he was an older white man, I really did think that he was going to do a better job of being everybody's president. That's what I thought. Because I think right now, the country is abundantly overly divided into radical groups of really far right people who think that everybody who don't think like them should be locked up and way left people who think that everybody who's sick should be able to be a lizard if they want to. And I think the country has to really be run by conservative liberals and liberal conservatives. That's somehow we got to get that to be the middle. And we need a president that both parties can stomach. And I thought Biden would do that because he's old and white and has corporate backing. So I figured he would do that right off the bat. He starts letting people born men swim against girls. It's ridiculous. Okay. As a father of daughters, there's no way I'm letting my daughter play volleyball against some girl, quote unquote, spiking it into her head. That's just not, it's ridiculous. So I, I really did think that Biden was going to be a little bit more of, hey, I understand the liberal feelings and that percentage. And I, I got that. I got to represent that. But I also have to represent the part of the country that that feels like this needs to be heard. And I, I'm disappointed in him as a result of that. Um, I felt like. So in terms of me. <laughs> Running for public office. Don't hold your breath. All right. I think that if someone, someone, my campaign manager came and said to me, oh my God, they're slandering you because they're saying they're, you're this, you're that. Believe me, I'm not perfect. So I have, I have made mistakes. I have lost money. I have I need grace and mercy and I'm not perfect. Like no one is. We're going to sit here and tear apart everybody's record. Sherry Beasley voted for blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, wow, I don't, I don't know she did. I don't know. But what if, what if she did? What if, what if she did something when she was 30? The whole Kavanaugh thing, the whole confirmation, it's like, yo, we are really seriously talking about something this dude supposedly did when he was 16 or 17 or 18. My God, yo, let me tell y'all right now, if you go back in time, start talking to people who, about who knew me when I was 16 and 17 and 18, just forget about it. I will not be confirmed. I'm telling you right now. I don't think many of you would, but there's no way. Now, you know, maybe Trump done changed the rules, just grabbing everybody's booties or whatever, but I didn't do that neither. But I'm just saying, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting world. It's an interesting time. Um, 
Someone asked me an interesting question about raising children. You know what? I'll, there are times when I think about, uh, if you watch me, listen to me, every now and then I do get off on a tangent and start talking about kids and how we raise them, how we're raising them. I do have strong opinions about that. Infancy and child development was my minor. Studied it for quite a bit. Um, and I do have, I, you know, I did, I was a teacher, so I do have a perspective about children. Um, and I am an exer, so I do have a perspective. Sometimes I, you know, so I, maybe I will do a, a, an actual thing on, on ch child rearing and I'll, and I'll answer that question. Um, but anyway, all right. I think this has been a, a, a pretty good uh, beyond the pulpit. Um, and all of you're getting, get vision, get understanding, have a dream, have a vision, a goal that's bigger than what you're able to do. Have courage, get your mind together, get your heart together. Um, pray for me. I'll pray for you. And, um, thanks for being with us tonight. This was, uh, beyond the pulpit, Andy Thompson, like, share, subscribe, let somebody know everybody on Instagram live. Thanks for being here. Share it. It's going to be here. I'm going to save it. It will be here and it'll be here on YouTube. Okay. Thanks. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Pulpit with Andy Thompson. If you enjoyed the conversation, be sure to follow Andy Thompson on all social media platforms. If you would like to support this podcast, head over to www.pastorandy.com podcast for more information on how to donate and stay connected with Andy Thompson.